than seven years ago. Just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John Schneider from Smallville, Dukes of Hazard, Nip Tuck. Mind if I sit down here? Sure, man. Go for it. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Just a second. Due to technical difficulty beyond our control, John will be answering your questions today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You having a good time? I hope. Good. Oh, I'm the only one that doesn't sit down out there. You don't sit down either, as you well. You're sitting now. But uh, I see all the other all the other folks are out there sitting down, and I don't know. I just can't do that. It doesn't seem right. My folks taught me to stand up. Like, uh, can you imagine Clark Kent? remaining seated when somebody came in to shake his hand. Can you imagine Jonathan Kent's reaction if he did? <laughs> that would be bad. Um, how are you? It's not Darius. What is your name? Darian. Darian. So cool. And hello, Miss Robin. I ate your, uh, you gave me a wonderful lollipop. She gave me a cream soda flavored lollipop. Because she had a uh, cotton candy flavored one yesterday. And she was so sweet, she went and got me a lollipop and brought it to me today. And I think that's very, very sweet for the boy-girl wonder. Yep. She's sweet as she can be. Yep. So I don't know really how this... I could talk forever about... I've been around a long time. Started Dukes in 1978. How many people, how many, show of hands, how many people were not yet born in 1978? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know where the time has gone. I really don't. But uh, it, it really feels good when I come to events like this to have people come up and say that they were fans of the Dukes. And, and uh, it really feels good when, when, when people who are... Uh, hardly able to walk, say that they uh, grew up watching me. <laughs> and I don't mean they have any affliction. I just mean they're old. They're old and they grew up watching me. And that kind of hurts a little bit. But uh, the Dukes are still going strong in the hearts and minds of people. It's no longer on television, but it'll come back. It's, it's like a, it's, it's, uh, there, there's some, uh, like a bad cold uh, no, I love, I love the show, and I'm sure that it will come back here soon, but they seem to keep it off the air for, uh, I don't know, four or five years after it does its run, and then it comes back, and invariably, it's the number one show on whatever network is showing it again. I mean, it really is amazing. Even though you can buy it on DVD, you can buy all seven seasons on DVD, uh, and it survived that movie, <laughs> which is a testimony to the strength of Dukes of Hazard, I think. Uh, so that's really cool. And then when I see little kids, little, little ones who are seven or eight, who are brand new fans of Dukes of Hazzard, uh, that's amazing to me. So again, that's a testimony to not only the strength of Dukes of Hazzard, but to what, uh, I can't really say those kinds of television shows, because I really think Dukes is in a category all by itself. Um, almost like the Andy Griffith show with Barney and Goober and Gomer and all those folks. Um, and Aunt B, Ain't B, um, except the Dukes of Hazard is an hour-long, an hour-long uh, 
dramedy, I guess you'd call it, action-adventure dramedy, because it's not really a drama, duh. And it's not really a comedy. I mean, it's funny, but it, it, had, uh, it had everything, and, and I don't think any show has ever had the, uh, the amount of action and adventure that we had uh, before or since, so I'm, I'm proud of that show, and proud that the seven-year-olds can still look at me and say, oh yeah, that's him, rather than, who's that old man, mommy? Why does he? Why does he look like the guy in the picture's grandfather? Uh, and then there was a show uh, called Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. I did that for a while. Yay! That was a lot of fun working with Jane Seymour and working with Joe Lando and and uh, a bunch of people on that show. Uh, I had the chance to be in the first season of that. Um, did a show that somebody reminded me of. I forgot, because I forget things. And uh, they said, oh, no, you were, in the, you were in the first season, too. And I said, what? oh, yeah, that's right. I did a show called Cowboy's Lullaby, uh, one of the first six episodes of Dr. Quinn ever. And that was, uh, I got to sing and play my guitar, uh, their guitar. Uh, yeah, so that was fun. And then later, I, I played Daniel on that show. I was the... Uh, the new love interest when Joe, when Sully was lost in the woods somewhere. And when someone is lost in the woods somewhere on a television show, it usually means there's some sort of a legal argument going on <laughs> somewhere. Because nobody really is lost in the woods. Or on an island, apparently. Uh, yeah. So that was fun. I got to be handed my badge and my 45 and hop on a horse every day when I went to work there. Loved it. It's been a, it's been a terrific career. And then uh, there's a bunch of shows that nobody really knows anything about because uh, they didn't last very long. Um, and a bunch of movies that I think, think people know about. Um, some that really shock me that people come up and say, oh, I love that movie you were in. Uh, Will Wheaton and I did a movie a long time ago called The Curse. So that's the cover of it. Very original, a hand coming up out of the ground, as if Carrie hadn't done that. But it was a really interesting movie. We shot in Teleco Plains, Tennessee, and uh, Rome, Italy. <laughs> yeah, all the outside stuff we shot in Teleco Plains, Tennessee, which is a town about the size of this room. And all the interior stuff... We shot in Rome. I still don't know why. Don't know why they do what they do. Uh, then I did a show with Paul Rodriguez called Grand Slam that was the best thing I thought I ever worked on. It lasted about three weeks. You never know. Uh, and I did this movie called Lake Placid 2. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We, it, somebody guess, somebody, so raise a hand. Where, did, where was that movie filmed? Makes sense. Where's Lake Placid? Yes, so where was the movie filmed? Bulgaria. <laughs> they had a job. They had the weirdest things in Bulgaria. They had these, these uh, uh, frogs that make all kinds of noise, and they sound kind of like chickens. Really. And they hired people for minimum wage, which was like four cents a day, I think, because we filmed around a lake. 
At least that was real. We filmed around a lake. And they were, they were hired to just throw rocks into the water all day, like, you know, skip rocks to shut the frogs up. Some of things you don't know when you're watching classic cinema like Lake Placid 2. Uh, but we were doing the movie, and we decided, uh, you never know. My wife will say to me all the time, how could you do such a stupid movie? And I say, baby, we don't know it's stupid when we're doing it. You know, we think... Just like you don't know it's really good. I guarantee you, when they were making The Terminator, they were making just another movie, and they probably thought it was a stupid movie. Uh, so you never really know what kind of a movie you're working on. But after about a week in Bulgaria with the chicken frogs and the big ceramic plastic alligator that they pulled around with a bass boat, crocodile, crocodile, they pulled around with a bass boat, we had a pretty good idea that this was a really stupid movie. <laughs> so I got to say things that, that uh, weren't in the script, like when I blew up the crocodile, I, uh, what did I say? What a crock. What a crock. What a crock. Serious as a heart attack. We you know, a little wink going on. And uh, there was a, the people in Bulgaria don't know from Looney Tunes. Uh, so there's a couple of scenes where I get scared by a rabbit. Uh, you know, I keep thinking it's the crocodile, ha! Ah! <laughs> Rabbit, and we're there talking, and whoa, whoa, there's the thing. So I actually got to say, if you're a Looney Tunes fan, you'll remember that, that, that myself and I believe Yosemite Sam are the only people that ever got on camera to say, I hate that rabbit. <laughs> and I say that in Lake Placid, too, and I'm proud of that. <laughs> I slipped that right by them. Yeah. Hold on there, rabbit. Um, then there was Shark Swarm. Anybody see Shark Swarm? Yeah. Shark Swarm was a movie kind of like Jaws and kind of not. Uh, it was like Jaws because there was a shark in it, and it was kind of not because it wasn't very good. But I got to work with Daryl Hannah and F. Murray Abraham and, uh, oh, shoot. I can't remember the guy's name. It'll come to me in a little bit. But there are kids on field trips out in rafts getting eaten by sharks and teachers getting eaten by sharks and sharks attacking everybody, other sharks and things, just a, just a, a mess, and people who are trying to come in, and, and Armand Asante, that's the guy's name, odd bird, odd guy, but we're there, and, and uh, he's trying to build a uh, resort, and I'm the last holdout, I'm not going to sell my land, like the Dukes, not going to sell my land, and uh, this movie was probably the bloodiest, goriest thing I've ever been involved with. And where, where do you suppose that showed up on television? What, what network? Sci-fi, of course. No. There's, you'd see the commercial and there's, oh, okay, Bobby, just go out there. I'll be right back. And the mom goes over and she's doing, or the, the teacher is counting children, blah, blah. In the background while she's counting children, the kid just... <laughs> Like that, and she free, and there's a little girl who loses something, and there's blood in the water and all that. The Hallmark Channel. (laughs) 
Hallmark Channel. That's where the movie showed up for two nights in a row. It was a miniseries. Blood and gore and guts and just, ah. But it had John Schneider, who's been on the Hallmark Channel a lot, so it must be okay. <laughs> he did a thing about a soapbox derby. He came, came and danced at my wedding. So it's been an interesting, interesting career. And then there's Smallville. Smallville. Yay! I, I had so much fun working on Smallville and working with Tom, and, and Tom had not really done anything yet. Uh, I think he did a couple of episodes of the Gilmore Girls and some, uh, some modeling, some print work, you know, that. And he still does that. I mean, that's still really what he's doing is, is Clark Kent, the commercials. You, you, you watch the promos for Smallville, and he's there with his hair blowing and doing that. <laughs> for you older folks, Jordash sort of a look. But uh, we started that show nine years ago. It's, they're going into their 10th, 10th season, right? Is it the final season? People keep telling me it's the final season. How do you do that? How do you, how do you decide to, to backhoe your money tree? <laughs> what makes you decide to end something that's doing so well? I don't know. What? Ratings? It's still doing okay. Yeah, want to go out on top. Yeah, that's right. That's why everybody's so good at selling their stock when it's, gone, when it's on top. I thought Smallville was going to go away after I died. I really did. I thought, I did. I thought, well, five years is a long time. And I think they thought that too. Five years is a long time. We're going to do something to kind of, kind of spruce up uh, the 100th episode and all that. But five years is a good long while for a, for a television show, a filmed television show. Ten years is astonishing. I mean, Dukes ran seven. Uh, MASH, I think, ran, did it run ten or was it eleven? Eleven years. Bonanza, fourteen, I think. And the granddaddy of all of them, Gunsmoke, I think was twenty or twenty-one. And Hawaii Five-O is in there somewhere with fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a great honor to be part of the Superman legend, and I didn't want to be part of it because I heard about uh, there was a world before Smallville Girls. There was a world when uh, nobody nobody knew that particular Clark Kent. For me, he is Superman. That's it. He's he is the only Clark Kent, as far as I'm concerned. Really, I I think Tom is not only the longest running one, but I think he's the best. I think he's great. Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. He can hear you. He has super hearing. Yeah. But um, I, didn't, I didn't think uh, that the world really needed another Superman uh, on television. I thought Lois and Clark had done fine. I thought the movies were fine. Uh, the Superman that I watched when I was growing up, uh, which said, by the way, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. So I don't know about this flying thing. I really don't. Does he fly? Does he leap? Is it because of... Because of gravity or the lack thereof or what? I don't know. Maybe we'll never know. But um, when I read the script, the pilot script for Smallville, uh, I was just blown away. I thought it was the best thing I'd ever read. Not just the best thing on Superman, but uh, really one of the best scripts I'd ever read of any kind. So um, 
I wanted at that point to be Jonathan Kent, and I, my kids were much younger, and I felt like Jonathan Kent. Uh, yeah, put upon by, although Jonathan Kent doesn't, doesn't, didn't drive Clark around everywhere. <laughs> he made him run to school. It was good. Um, or Chloe drove him around in that Volkswagen. Um, but I really, I really uh, get to see when I come to, to uh, events like this, I get to see what that relationship means to people. And it, it really, um, it does my heart good as a father, as an actor, as a, as a human being to see. I just talked to a young girl in Iraq. Her mother handed me the phone and said, would you talk to my daughter? And I hate doing that because I got to say, yeah, no, yeah, it's really me. No, uh, no, 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 Smallville, no, no, the father. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm alive. Yep, I'm okay. Uh, yeah. But this, this girl knew exactly who I was, and she's in Iraq right now. So I just talked to somebody in Iraq who, uh, who wanted to talk to the guy who played Jonathan Kent on TV, and I think that's, uh, that's a great honor, a great, great honor, because I'm quite certain she has other things on her mind right now. So I thank you for keeping, uh, keeping Smallville Alive, thank you for uh, for all your concern about my my heart issues before I passed away, and uh, my resurrection issues since I passed away. Um, people keep asking me if I'm going to go back. I don't know. I would. I'd, I'd go back in a in a heartbeat if I had one. <laughs> no, I would. Uh, <laughs> I would love to, I'd love to go back, and, and I have a, the dream scene uh, for me to be on Smallville again would be uh, the very last shot in Smallville. Now, this is me. This is not them. I guarantee you this is not what they're going to do uh, because this was, it would be what I would do if I were them. I wouldn't have killed me. Okay. So that was then, but what I would, ha I'd have Clark looking in a mirror and trying to, and going through some great pain, trying to make some decision about whether or not it's okay to do something. And uh, I would stay on that for a really long, an uncomfortable long time, like uh, 20 seconds. 20 seconds in TV time is a long time. And just at the end, at the end of that, as he's looking, I'd have these two hands come up around, from behind him, around his neck, like that, and those hands would fasten the cape around the front of him, and then the shot would stay the same, and I, Jonathan would come into it like that, into the mirror, and say, it's okay, and then I would end Smallville, boom, just like that. I wouldn't have him fly, but I'd have, I, don't you think that would be cool? Because he's got to wonder. Clark Kent's got to wonder. It's got to be something, I would think, uh, about having his, uh, his dad say it's okay. Having his dad bless the next thing he's going to do with his abilities. Right? Okay. Questions? Anybody about anything at all? Except for stocks, because obviously I don't know when they're going to go down. Yes, I do. Right after I buy them. That's, that's when they go down. Somebody? Yes, sir. Uh, what can you look forward from me in the future? There's a, a show that starts next week, I think, with uh, Valerie Bertinelli and Betty White called, uh, yeah, 
called Hot in Cleveland. I know, Hot in Cleveland. Uh, really funny show, four or five camera sitcom kind of a show. And I am on that. I'm on the, uh, the first one. I don't know if they filmed any more or not, but I'm on that and uh, play a man of questionable integrity. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that, and there's a brand new, if you're, if you're aware that I used to do music, I used to do a lot of music, there's a, thank you, there's a brand new uh, song on iTunes right now called The Promise that is about, uh, it's a wonderful song, a friend of mine uh, who was in Collier and Company with me, I don't know if anybody saw that, but if you did, he was Tex, his name is Phil Redrow, and this song is called The Promise. Uh, it's a song about, uh, about the economy. And it sounds really boring that way, but it's not. Uh, uh, who, took the, who took the endings from the fairy tales, we were told, and who took the pride and dignity out of growing old, and when did the government quit lending a helping hand, and who took the promise from the promised land? It's a really good song. So if you are an iTunist, iTunesist, if you got iTunes, <laughs> then uh, please get that song. Um, because it's a whole new record business from what, how it used to be way back when at MCA and CBS and, and uh, had 14 albums over the years. And it's an entirely different machine now. So uh, I need, if you are a, if you liked John Schneider's music way back when, then look at iTunes for it. Because uh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I think it's good stuff or I wouldn't have done it. So there. I try not to do anything I don't like to do. Yes. What made me be an actor? I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Um, I was one of those kids who went to the movies every Saturday, saw a double feature in a little town called Mount Kisco, New York. Uh, I'm not from the South. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm as Southern as, as pizza. Um, but I, I wanted to be up on the big screen, and I wanted to be on the stage, and started all of that when I was eight years old, and have not really done anything else ever since. Uh, I don't believe that you can be any good at something you don't like. I know for sure you can't be any good at something you hate. And I know there's a lot of people that are making a, a trying to make a living doing things that they hate. Uh, praying for Friday to get here sooner. And uh, if, you're a, if you're a young person, avoid that. If you're, uh, if you're an older person and you're in that, do whatever you can to change it because you really, life's too short to be miserable, don't you think? So, uh, yeah, so, and it's, I mean, it's obviously, there's not a magic wand or anything, but I really think the power of your, of your, uh, uh, a decision not to be unhappy can be very, very, very helpful. Make a change. Make a change now if you're not happy. Do something else. Do something you love. Do something you love on the weekends. Do, get a hobby. Make a scrapbook. Make clothes. I don't know. Just uh, try to have some joy. I mean, it's, it's hard. That's what this song is about. It's hard to have any joy in your life right now when people are trying to take away your house and your car. Or they already have. And you're, you're riding a bus and never did that in your life and never thought you would. It's hard to find any joy in that. But it's worth looking for, right? Okay. Somebody. Yes. 
I do. I talked to uh, I talked to Tom Wopat just a couple days ago. He's doing a show, another Broadway show, called Catch Me If You Can. And I don't know if the movie was first or the I don't know if it's a but anyway, it's like the movie. Uh, so he's there. Um, Catherine is is uh, it lives in Sherman Oaks, and is dealing with. Uh, with uh, two lovely daughters and a and a life that has been really terrific, but recently uh, uh, horrifically marred by a personal tragedy. So uh, we talk to her, we write to her, we we text with her all the time. Um, other Duke's people, I I see occasionally. I see Ben Jones occasionally and Jimmy Best, who's still doing fine. He's eighty something and still fishing and loves it. Good, good, good. Still does that better than anybody. So yeah, I, I talk to those folks. We keep up with each other. We're we're the Dukes. We'll always be the Dukes. My best friends, really. Yes. Cool. Um, I don't know why they keep killing me. <laughs> I. Uh, but the, the roles I've, I've really enjoyed, see, before, before Dukes of Hazard, from 8 to 18 years old, I did Oklahoma, and did Fiddler on the Roof, and did The Odd Couple, and Curious Savage, and uh, uh, Zoo Story, and all these, all these different kinds of roles, which is what people in theater do. But as soon as Dukes of Hazard came out, it was like there was this, this label put on my forehead that said, I'm a guy from, uh, from the South, and I drive a car really fast, and that's all I can really do. So I, I'm tenacious in that I, after that, I kept doing different, different roles. Did Eddie Macon's Run, did all those things that, you're, that I talked about earlier. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed it. I feel like I'm an actor again. I think for a while... You become, it's hard to survive celebrity because celebrity puts you in a box and it's wonderful. I mean, it keeps you employed, but there was an eight-year-old kid that wanted to play all these different roles and nobody would let me. So I had to keep beating people over the head to allow, allow them or allow myself the opportunity to do different things. Now I feel like there's really... Uh, Jonathan Frakes just hired me to do a show called Leverage. We just worked together a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And I play a viciously evil, nasty country guy. So I'm getting there. No, he's uh, He owns a record label, and he steals music, and he breaks people's fingers, and he likes it. And uh, what Jonathan said, uh, he said, you were a delicious bad guy. It's like, bleh. Uh, Nip Tuck was a great opportunity. I've had a couple people on, uh, on different uh, online things be offended by that. Well, oh well. <laughs> what can I do? Uh, dirty Sexy Money was different. So I think, I think uh, really I'm getting, I'm getting the opportunity to play very, very different, different roles now. So uh, hopefully this one, there's a new show that has not been picked up yet, but it's, I'll get you next. It's called The Back Nine. It's a comedy, half-hour single-camera comedy filmed outside, uh, not a reality show. It's scripted. It's hysterical. I play a guy named Ronnie Barnes 
who uh, won the Masters in 1992, and my myself and my my caddy own a a nine hole just crappy trashy little little nine hole golf course called the Needles Nine in Needles, California. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ronnie's trying to get back on the on the pro circuit, but if you if you're a if you're a fan of golf, Ronnie Barnes make John, makes John Daly look like a Boy Scout. My guy is a mess. And if this show works, I think it will be, uh, it'll be the next. There was Bo, there was Jonathan, and I think there'll be Ronnie Barnes. So if you're, if you're not offended by odd things, go to uh, YouTube and put in Schneider Barnes Spike. And uh, there's some promos that I did myself. So the language is my fault. The content is my fault. And for that, I am not sorry, because <laughs> it's funny stuff. Yes? <laughs> if I had the opportunity, would, would I do another Dukes of Hazard uh, reunion? Do I think there will be one? Um, I really think they, they screwed that up. I think that movie... Uh, was the first and last nail in the cinematic coffin of Dukes. And I'm, I, I think that's really too bad because I, I do believe that in the world of popcorn and feature films that Dukes could have had a similar cinematic life to, uh, to Star Trek. I really do. I think they could have made a new one of those every year. They could have, as they did so wisely in Star Trek, they weaned, they brought in the original cast, they weaned the, uh, the old audience, or the new audience, off of the, the old cast and, and really transitioned very, very well. It was well thought out. And then this last one they did was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, and they paid such great reverence to the source material and the, and the characters. That ain't what they did. <laughs> they did not do any of that in the movie. And I think because of that, the audience they were going for went and they saw it, and it wasn't very good, and then they moved on. And I think that's very, very sad. If they were going to, I would be, I would be delighted. But we, everybody from the original show uh, turned down the opportunity to be in that movie. All of us. So I don't think they're going to come to us. Uh, if you want to see a movie that's similar in heart and soul to Dukes, if you haven't seen the movie I made, Collier and Company, I made with my wife and my kids out of my truck and jumped cars and did all kinds of stuff, then uh, grab that on eBay or grab it on Netflix. It's fun. Hey! We do, but it doesn't work, but it is there. There we go. Right, yeah, Anybody over here have a question? It's all right. It's, it's yeah, I, I know some of you up front, he can hear you, but if you want everybody else to hear your question, you might want to start a line here at the microphone that we got set up for you guys, so it might make it easier. Oh, wow. A line. <laughs> cool. Yes. You're not in line, but I did see your hand. This guy, there's one. Oh, it's you. Hey, man. Did I ever turn down a role that ended up being a big thing? Um... No. <laughs> no. Trying to think if... Uh, no, I wish I could say I did, but it's, it's, uh, it's not like... Um, 
Uh, oh, gosh, who was the original Indiana Jones? It's not like that. Tom Selleck, yeah, they wouldn't let him off to... Uh, no, that opportunity is not, has not come my way. Son of a gun. I don't know. Why I'm not in any of the... Uh, why I wasn't in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh Fast and Furious, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know who I aggravated. Somebody. Yes, sir. Uh, John, how does your personal spiritual beliefs influence your work? I think, I used to think that what you do, what your movie was, was what your, your uh, spiritual work was about. And there were only so many films with the kind of content that I agree with uh, that are made every year, and really many of them weren't very good. So now I am of the mind, they're very preachy and not very good. I'm now of the mind that, that it's, it is as important how you do what you do uh, as it is what it is you're doing. So when I'm on the set, uh, I saw a wonderful, I don't know if the gentleman's in here or not, but we had a, a, a gentleman in a wheelchair that was trying to put a picture away, and he couldn't put the picture away. And this guy came up and said, can I help you? And he, and he helped him put the picture away. I saw him do that. Other people saw him do that. He did it because it was the right thing to do. So how you make a movie, how you treat people on the set, how you treat people in the town, how you treat people in a line, uh, how you treat people right here is more what I'm about now. Because uh, I think, well, when you see a movie, you don't really see the person. You see a character that somebody else created and brought them clothes and told them where to stand and what to say. Uh, but when you make a movie... I tell people this all the time. One of these days, I'm going to be dead, really, not like Smallville dead, but dead dead, really most sincerely dead. It's uh, Wizard of Oz. Um, and somebody's going to run into one of my children and say, hey, I knew your father. I met your father. I ran into your father one day. And whatever they say after that is up to me now. And... I personally think that's more important than the kinds of movies that I do right now. Yes. Oh, you don't have to clap. I loved working on Smallville. The only downside was that it's filmed in Vancouver in British Columbia, so I had to commute sometimes twice a week because I didn't want to be a better father on TV than I was at home. And sometimes, uh, sadly, that, that wound up happening just because of time. Um, I, I, would be, I can't sit up here and lie to you. I've not watched it. I've seen, I've seen some episodes online, but I really don't watch any television that much anymore. I go to movies. Uh, I've heard from people that it's very Justice League now, which I think is cool, but I don't think it's Smallville. You know, I think Smallville was a very unique, was, was centered around the town, centered around a dirt road and centered around the early life of Clark Kent, not the metropolis life of Clark Kent. So I don't know. I, I, 
from what I hear about Smallville, it might be better if it were called Metropolis. Right? I mean, you, you know what I mean? Okay. All right. Hope that didn't freak anybody out. I don't. But I can't lie. Oh, yes. Jump up there and ask a question. <laughs> Have I ever freaked out a fan or made them mad by doing something that I... Yes, all the time. <laughs> all the time. And uh, it used to bother me, but not so much anymore because you do have to... You do change and you do have to do different things. And we're, we're in a very interesting world now uh, with regard to uh, how accessible somebody like me is and how accessible the, uh, the public is for somebody like me to, to put stuff on YouTube and promote and put stuff on iTunes. And it's, like I said, it's a whole different world than the MCA and CBS world way back when. Um, I have to ask, I ask those people, I say, look, you've got to, uh, you've got to chill. You just got to relax because I'm I'm an interesting guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm, uh, part of me is the guy from Dukes. Part of me is the guy from Smallville. Part of me is the guy from Nip Tuck. Part of me is the guy that was working with Jonathan Frakes the other day. You know, so there's a lot, there's a lot of sides to me. So don't, don't believe that one of them is all, just like with anybody in here, don't believe that one side of you is all that there is. Don't put me in that box because I'm not going to fit. And if I offend you because of that, person on Facebook, person on, or on uh, Twitter, don't tweet me anymore. <laughs> Go find somebody else to do that with. I'm not sure what that meant. Is that... If we've been tweeting, do you tweet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're never going to make it. Um, I just want to let you know that um, I was really upset when they killed you instead of Ronald Lane. I can't stand it. Um, I was just a starter after Atlanta, but oh well. <laughs> that was years ago. Like my son, who's on Secret Life, the American Teenager. You mean would I? Yeah. So if if my children, I only have one. I have one child that's into that's into acting, and he's. Uh, if you watch Secret Life, the American Teenager, uh, he outlived me. <laughs> he's uh, he's the guy that sells homework and phony. His name is Joe on the show, and he sells homework and phony IDs and licenses and stuff out of the. Uh, one of the offices that he takes over in school. So yeah, I, I would. I'd like for my kids to follow the way I, I've done things, which is, like I said earlier, I, I, I love what I do. My youngest daughter is six foot one, and she plays volleyball. And she's, she's a monster, and she loves what she does. 
Uh, my son is 18, and he, he's loving doing theater and, and uh, making little movies with his friends and cutting them together. And they did a Western at our house, and I was, I was gone. They lit a fire in the backyard under the porch a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but I had another dad. I said, you know, I think they're going to be building a fire. And uh, would you please watch it? So he did. And they didn't burn the house down. But uh, then I've got a visual, visual anthropologist is my 25-year-old daughter. And she makes uh, documentary films. She's a documentary filmmaker. Visual anthropology. Who knew? And I have a speech therapist daughter, 28. They all love what they do. I don't care what my kids do. Uh, but I want them to enjoy it. So there. So if they catch anything from me, that's what they're going to catch. You're welcome, and thank you for saying that about Jonathan. And ah, uh, so what do you think about working on that Sean Scott did your character in Johnny Knoxville, and at the end of Starsky and Hutch, they have the original Starsky and Hutch at the end of the movie. Uh huh. Do you think you'll do a sequel for that? Would we do that? You know, they, the only thing they came up with for us in, in Dukes, they wanted uh, Tom and Kathy and I to be sitting on a bench and have the General Lee go by and say something ridiculous like, cool car. <laughs> you, you, but we couldn't bless that movie. We couldn't, we couldn't, well, yeah, I mean, so the, the opportunity was there, but we didn't want to take it. Um, because I think there's a, there's a fine line between a cameo. I think the one in Starsky and Hutch, although that was a hysterical movie, but it wasn't Starsky and Hutch. Um, I enjoyed what Starsky and Hutch, what David Soule and Paul Michael Glazer did in it. Uh, it wasn't pathetic. There's a fine line between a good cameo and something that's just kind of sad. And uh, I think uh, us being on a bench watching the car go by would have been kind of sad. So we didn't want to do that. Sir. Uh, thanks for the work that you do. Um, I wanted to know if you or anyone has done a comparison between Jesus and um, Superman and uh, Joseph and Clark Kent, or, or sorry, uh, Jonathan Kent, and the moment when, when um, Jonathan dies and whether Jesus Well, that's why I died like that, by the way. No, it's not why I had a heart attack, but that's why I died... I died. Go look at that episode again. I died with a hand on either. On, I had Martha on this side, and I had Clark on this side. Okay. There's a wonderful book. Do you know the name of the book that, that references all the, all the biblical references with, with small, or not with small, but with the Superman legend and the Bible? You know that book? No? Google it. Or Big Daddy, Go Daddy It. There are sponsors, right? Yeah, Go Daddy It. Is that a, how you say it? But it's really, it's really quite remarkable. Yes, yeah, so I have heard that, uh, and I think it's terrific. It's, it's outlined in the book whose name I, I can't remember, but it says Superman on it. So check it out. Find it. Yeah, Superman, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a kind of a two-part question. At this point in your career, at, at this age of everything you've accomplished, is there any movie that you would like to remake and, of anyone, expert the nation all the way up through Wow, yeah.
<laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Um, yes. Uh, oh, gosh. Kirk Douglas did it. His horse's name was Whiskey. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Not the villain. It was that Rustler's Rhapsody. No, uh, it's a name like... It's a name like uh, like for whom the bell tolls. It's a wonderful name. It's about the the book it came from was the last cowboy. What was that? Lonely are the brave. Lonely are the brave. No, that's not it. The last cowboy is a book that you got to. It'll come to me maybe. Just like that guy's name came to me a while ago. Uh, uh, he plays a, he plays a guy, it's, it's, uh, he's on his horse named Whiskey, uh, Carol O'Connor is driving a truckload of toilets across country, the guy is the heart and spirit and soul of the last great American cowboy, he gets into a barroom fight, he holds the door open for the lady, his word is his bond, he's, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And he just doesn't fit in. Uh, and he winds up getting chased by the police because he's running from the police because it's what cowboys do on his horse. And the reason I mentioned Carol O'Connor is in movies those days, they would start a story and start another story and they wouldn't connect them. And sadly, at the end of it, he's just getting away from the police and he comes out onto the, onto the two-lane highway to get away and he gets, he gets hit by the, uh, by the truck. And it's really, it's really a great movie. I can't believe I can't remember the name of that movie. Is it Lonely or the Brave? Is it? Okay, it is Lonely or the Brave. That doesn't sound right to me. That's, that's not the villain. It's not the villain. And the other thing is, I, I had always thought that had, had Dukes of Hazard happened, well, it couldn't happen. I was only 18 when I started. But if I were the Dukes of Hazard guy in 1975 rather than 1978, then I would have at least had the opportunity to play the Ronnie Howard role in The Shootist. I would have loved to have, been, to have worked with John Wayne. Never met John Wayne. He was in the hospital dying when we started Dukes of Hazard in California. Uh, so that's the, the, second, the second one. It is Lonely Are the Brave. Just hit me. <laughs> I did remember the horse's name was Whiskey. Thank you. Now, Maurice, you got to shut me up whenever you have to shut me up, but I'm having fun. Yes. God does my hair. <laughs> this is it. It's all it ever does. It's just, just what it does. I, I, nobody anymore. Nobody. She says, who does your hair? This is just kind of what it does. I wash it and I toss it back. And other, other than its tendency to change color all along here over the years, uh, this is just what it does. I look at pictures from Dukes from 78, 79, and I think, that's the same haircut. That's, that's, it's uh, either really cool or that's that pathetic thing I was talking about earlier. Yes, sir.
I, I have to believe that they just weren't fans of, really fans of anything. Uh, I think that people that make Starsky and Hutch the way they did, people that make Lost in Space the way they did, people that just destroyed the Wild Wild West the way they did, uh, they, they don't understand what you understand, what I understand. I was a huge fan. I dreamt about being in Lost in Space. I mean, I was the, I wanted to be in that show, and and uh, so I think they just they've so lost touch with the they don't come to comic cons. Maybe if they did, they wouldn't make such horrific mistakes. J.J. Uh, Abrams is the only one that's really gotten it right. Uh, really, he's done an amazing job. Yeah. Um, I mean, George Lucas couldn't even get it right. <laughs> really, I mean, you know. So, so I'm I'm not sure what it is that that they do that. Except there does seem to be a, a there's a belief that young people want raunchy comedy, and I think they just want you know something that's funny. Bill Cosby is still funny. And he doesn't have to be raunchy to be funny. Um, so I don't know why they, they do that. I wish, I wish they wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. See Collier and Company. I didn't. They're the worst thing I say anybody says in that is you damn near ruined my hat. And it's funny and it's cute and it's, you can watch it with your kids or not. You can watch it by yourself. It's fun. It's a fun show. So I wish I had the answer to that other than that they, they just aren't fans like we are. Of, or they don't remember being a fan like we do of shows that we were watching when we were kids. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I just want to let you know it's the two-minute warning before 2 Two-minute warning. So uh, I hate to be that guy, but this may be the last question. I'll answer quick. No. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, have you made a film yet? Uh, actually starting to work as a cinematographer on one coming up soon. Okay. Cool. Uh, writer guy, read Saving the Cat. Get it tonight or tomorrow and read it. It's better than any class you'll take. It's what's wrong with... It'll, it'll teach you... Oh, I know you. It'll teach you what's wrong with scripts, what's wrong with movies that you've watched, what's wrong with something you're currently writing and how to fix it. It's great. Saving the Cat. What's your favorite movie? Uh, Braveheart. Braveheart. Excellent. Excellent choice. William Wallace. Watch Braveheart with the sound off and watch what they're doing. Watch the pictures. Watch the cuts. Don't let the sound and the music and all the stuff interfere with your, your watching it as a, as a filmmaker. It'll be the, the best lesson. You'll know why Braveheart is a great movie if you watch it without the sound. And that's all I can explain to you because there's not, there's not time, but it will change your life. It'll help the movie you're making. 
Okay. Yes. He's gone. He's gone. My passions outside of acting and music are my my family, uh, driving. <laughs> Not so much anymore. My wife always tells me to hurry up. <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. Uh, my family, number one. Uh, sadly, I've turned the corner where golf is a passion of mine. <laughs> I can actually watch it on television. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I can't, well, see? So those are, those are my passions. Yes, you, sir. And you're the last one. I know you liked a lot of family aspects of Smallville. Uh, was there any writings or any scripts that you disagreed with saying, this is something my character Yes, there were many things I disagreed with and I got in trouble. It may very well be why I died. <laughs> it could be. There was a scene that... Uh, Jonathan is downstairs getting a cookie or milk or something. It's late at night. Uh, Martha is there too. And it was written where I turn around and I see Clark and Lana coming down the stairs. And Clark is wearing his T-shirt, I think. And Lana is wearing Clark's uh, plaid shirt and nothing else. You know, it's obvious they've been doing the crossword puzzle up there. And... The line, it was written, Martha looks at Jonathan and, you know, it's like, oh, my God, what's going on up there? And Jonathan turns to Clark and says, at least tell me you were safe. I said, are you out of your mind? Jonathan can't, can't turn to Clark Kent and say, at least tell me you were safe. Jonathan is going to kill this guy. <laughs> if what happened if up there, if, he, if what he thinks happened up there really happened up there, not in this house. That's not going to happen. I'm going to take this kid out to the shed, and I'm going to beat the snot out of him. And they said, oh, no, no, it's not like that. You know, it's got to be. The, and oh, everybody's always looking at the watch like that guy, looking at the watch because you gotta, you've got to shoot a schedule. And I wouldn't do it. I said, no, I can't. I, we'll find some other way, but I will not do that because people will, will, you'll hear the sound of people turning the show off. I mean, I really think that if you violate that kind of a character, that it's a problem. So it wound up being the compromise was, uh, which is oddly enough now one of Miles and Al's favorite moments in Smallville, they told me, that they came up with. <laughs> I'm downstairs, I'm pouring the milk, pouring the milk uh, or getting a cookie and Martha's coming this way. Martha looks behind me, sees, you know, she looks up and as soon as she sees Clark and Lana coming down the stairs. She runs over like a good mother hen and gets between us because I see the look on her face and it's like, all right, it's late, but something's very wrong. So I turn around. By the time I turn around, Martha is there to stop me from strangling young Clark Kent. I'm looking at him, you know, son, <laughs> like that. So she says, just, just at least, at least tell, tell me that you were safe. So she says it. And I look at her like, okay, after I get him done in the barn, I'm coming after you. <laughs> and, and it's great. It's, it's really great. Because uh, that's how I think fathers are, especially fathers that, that raise the boy who would be Superman. Um, it got me in trouble. Got me in big trouble. I didn't care because I'm still talking about it. And uh, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. 
Folks, I appreciate you being here. I really do. I'll see you back at the line. Oh. Thank you. John Schneider, everybody. Let him hear it. Thank you. Why can't they one time play the Remy Zero song instead of that song? Ah. <laughs>